Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. Life is free to play, but pay to win. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you drinking today? Good, man, good. Uh, it's so much better to, to talk with you at like 2 p.m. <laughs> because I could drink a beer, not feel really guilty. Um, it's true. I, so Yingling is like a local like Pennsylvanian brew, and I've been feeling like the dark brews lately, so I'm trying a black and tan. That's actually I pretty good. I think I've heard of it. Just from like going on Beer Advocate or Beer Geeks or whatever, it's surprisingly it's like good. Highly rated. Uh, I I don't know if it's highly rated to be honest. Uh, a friend of mine had it in the fridge. And I took it home with me. I'm like, okay. I'm taking this. I need it. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You just go steal people's beer out of their fridge. I just go down like the street, knock on some doors. I'm like, you guys have like any interesting brews that I could just take? And uh, I mean, you're like the opposite of my brother. My brother always brings beer over, and then he'll drink like half of one and leave the rest of my fridge, oh, and what? never say anything about it. And he'll come over multiple times and just forget that he had it. Oh, so I often find myself with like behind, man. I find myself with free cream stout. I mean, I'm not going to complain. It's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. I've been letting him use my recording equipment anyway, so I guess I'm entitled to a beer every once in a while, huh? Sure. <laughs> so uh, we all need to rejoice because. Fall is almost here, and that means pumpkin beer. Mm. I'm drinking a shipyard pumpkin head, and I could not be happier. We don't have pumpkin. You have the pumpkin, the really, yeah. really, really pumpkin-y stuff. Nice, big bomber. Uh, dude, like, you just pop it, and the aroma of the beer alone. Like, I just want to just sit and smell it. Like, I want a pumpkin candle or something for my desk. Don't rub it in, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set we have you a one. lot of pumpkins dude if you can or i'm just gonna come to new york actually you need to gonna, come to new york to come back to new york you probably need video help uh, do i ever need <laughs> seriously probably need help going through whatever you got like too much of from subscribe and save i'm gonna come to new york and get some pumpkin deal but hey our guest on the show today her name is chloe quinn and she's got a beer too so what are you drinking Hi, I'm drinking Two Roads, um, Roads Mary's Baby, which is pretty awesome. It's a local beer out of Stratford, Connecticut. Nice. But is it is it like dark or? Um, it's a, it's also a seasonal beer, so it says it's scary good pumpkin ale. So nice. Uh, yeah, it's delicious. That's why I love fall. Fall is, the, I mean, I like summer because I can go outside and do things, but pumpkin, man. And then when winter comes around, the Traveler's Winter Ale, it's one of my favorite beers ever, so that'll get me to the seasons. All right, so this week we're doing This Financial Life, and Chloe, you sent us a lot of detail, and I just got to say, like, you seem to be doing pretty darn good with your money. Thanks. That's (laughs) a big compliment coming from you guys. Yeah, I mean, heck, you might be doing better than I am, at least. I I don't know about Andrew. I, I believe that she, I believe she is doing better than you are. Yeah. Um, Actually, I, I can tell you straight out she's doing oh, better. Than shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, not, not only is she doing better, she also has less remaining on her car loan than it's you true. do. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Right. Everyone's got to get on me about that. You know, when this goes out, we will have already published our little follow-up episode that we haven't yet recorded because right, we don't do Thomas things in order. Thomas profusely apologizes <laughs> for taking on the... <laughs> no. I'm sorry, guys. So I'll go return the car tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe, uh, like, what do you do? Uh, tell us like a little bit about yourself, because I think yeah. I mean I know you. Thomas knows you a little less, but th- no one in the audience knows you. All right, so I'm 28 years old. Um, I started out as a labor and delivery nurse when I was 21, 
And um, about seven years later, about a year and a half ago, I graduated with my women's health nurse practitioner degree. So I got a master's in nursing. Um, and now I've been job hunting ever since. I think I've gone on about 18 interviews. Um, and, and that's in like the past year and a half. Um, wow. But I've been basically searching for them, like the perfect job. So I, did, I got most of those offers, but um, most people don't want to hire full time and they don't want to offer benefits. And um, yeah, so it's been kind of like an uphill battle. But despite that, I've done pretty well, I hope, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's so cool. that's, all, that's awesome. So even not working full time, you've been able to build up a pretty good savings and pay down a lot of debt. Yeah, I didn't start out with too much debt. Um, fortunately, I went to um, some no-name schools. Uh, shout out to Southern Connecticut State University and University of South <laughs> Alabama. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't go to any big schools. I had lots of um, scholarships and uh, I did get some federal aid money. I took out one loan, a single loan in my undergrad, which was a Perkins loan, which gets paid off if you work at a inner city hospital. So that oh. helped out. Mm-hmm. So that's like one of those public forgiveness kind of programs where you go work in a certain area and then you get it forgiven? Correct. That's like okay. one of those loans that does get forgiven. Um, How much did you have forgiven? Uh, I think I only took out $5,000 of my entire college education. Um, and they, wow, that's yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, and they paid off about $4,000. Um, but I pretty much just, I worked a couple jobs and I paid it off as I was in school. So I never really stopped working. Um, and so... Um, yeah, the only hiccup was um, when I was getting that loan paid off by the hospital that I was working at, they decided to lay me off after four years, 11 months, and about 15 days. So I was really close to my five-year anniversary, which would have made all the difference. This was yeah, in 2008 and- when everyone was laying off, right? No, I started um, my career in 2008. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm being facetious. I actually know it's yeah. 2008. <laughs> yeah, no, it happened in 2013. <laughs> so what would have happened if you would have made it to five years? Um, if I had made it to five years, then that loan would have been completely paid off. So it was only about $1,000 left on the loan. So that's an, almost no big deal. But um, I was contributing to my 401k, which... They also contributed to, um, but you're only you're either zero percent vested anything prior to five years of work, um, or a hundred percent vested after five years. So because I didn't make that by like twenty one days or something, um, maybe less than that, um, I wasn't vested at all in their contribution. So I lost about ten thousand um, dollars. So that was a little bit of an yeah. extra burn after being laid off. <laughs> there it is. We were talking like right before the call and, and you seem like pretty certain that they did do that. Like on per- it wasn't just like it's coincided with like a bad time for the hospital. Like what why did they do that? Um it seemed like there was some forethought based on who was laid off. There was a, about 150 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of nurses, there was a VP Um, and I never had a single like bad mark on my record. So I know it wasn't a personal attack, but I think they definitely, um, pick 
picked people that were either about to retire, I was about to graduate and probably look for another job, um, other people that had other jobs or full-time jobs in addition to just um, working extra at this hospital. So it did seem sort of like they tried to um, either pick those that wouldn't be hurt as much or just pick those in their favor. Um, but uh, I met with a lawyer, but it looked like it wasn't going to be something that like you would win. It's, you know, they're a huge company compared to just me mm, yeah. um, so i didn't pursue it you know it's not worth the ten thousand dollars yeah it sounds like they screwed you over i was going to be honest about it yeah and i i looked into it um pretty lengthy and i called um the 401k company and stuff like that and they told me that had i returned to work in 2013 the year i was laid off and just made the additional um i think i was like shy about 100 or two maybe 100 hours so if i had just worked an additional week or two i would have banked a thousand hours in that year and that would have then qualified me as a five-year employee you have to do in each of those years you have to work at least a thousand hours per year yeah Uh, so and i found that out in 2014 of course so i was like oh you know and i went back february of 2014 and i worked per diem because everybody loved me there you know it wasn't a you know, other than the fact I had to walk back in when I was escorted out. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I still liked the place I worked, but um, yeah, it was a. I wish I had known all of those stipulations. So it definitely is worth um, knowing your 401k info front and back just in case. Yeah, exactly. Man. I mean, like, a lot of companies do stuff like this now. Like, they'll hire somebody on part time, quote unquote. For like 37 hours a week just so they don't get benefits mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's ridiculous which actually I, I had a question why like is it so difficult to find a full-time job as a nurse i imagine uh just with the schooling alone it's, there's not that many you know I, I think you'd be needed yeah well nurse to be in it's easy to find an rn job as a just an average you know nurse i specified as a women's health nurse practitioner so that's more of like an office job and a lot of offices are already um they're pretty packed with their own doctors um it's a practice that you you have to try to get into a practice which is kind of difficult um and there's only so many exam rooms so they can't just keep hiring even if they have a, a large patient load um it needs to be able to sustain multiple providers at one time so it's actually been harder to find a nurse practitioner job, but it was um, pretty easy to find RN jobs. Um, but I'm in women's health specifically, so that narrows my field. Um, to only 50% of the people that need to go to healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not primary care or, um, mm. you know, the, there's a big need for psychiatric and pediatric right now. So, so if you're in women's health, does that mean there's specific departments for women's health or does that mean that 50% of the people still could be served by you? Oh yeah, definitely 50% of the people could still be served by me. I can see women in the full capacity. So even if they have an upper respiratory infection, I could see them. Um, but I can't really see men. So, um, unless predominantly my role is like in reproductive health. So I would mainly work at like an OBGYN or something like that. Um, and I can see men for reproductive health things too, but not. So like if I had issues with my ovaries, you could help me. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Such as, why do you have ovaries? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was this movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You mean Junior? <laughs> yeah. Danny DeVito. <laughs> By far his, his oh, most dude. shining masterpiece. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are you looking in your specific area, or are you looking all around the country then? Um, well, that's a good point to make. So I've been looking specifically in Connecticut, but, um, I had told myself and my boyfriend, if we, if I hadn't found a job that really was worth, um, you know, if it was never going to be full time or benefits and not make really the amount that I should be making, then we were going to start to look outside the state. Um, but that's a big hurdle cause then you have to get licensure in another state. And so there's more hoops mm. to jump through. Um, but that was definitely a possibility, but lately um, I've done pretty well in getting some job offers. So it looks like I'm going to be here for at least a couple more years. Um, but yeah, I got two job offers in the last week. That's awesome. So, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, so first, before I even go further, can we talk about it in depth, just not mentioning names? Sure. Okay, because um, you, you're in the the community. You're one of our, our founding people. And uh, I remember uh, I was looking around, and you came up with this ridiculously detailed, like impressively detailed pro-con list of like the two different jobs, and you were asking people to weigh in to help you decide you know, which to pick. And I was wondering if you could maybe share like how you built this pro-con list. Yeah, so fortunately um, for me, the two offers were both really, really good offers, so... Um, what made it hard is that one was full time and offering my first time offer of six figures. So they were offering a hundred thousand um, dollars for full time. And then the other offer, um, if it was full time would be 90,000. So that's not too big of a difference. Um, but they were only offering part time. So they offered me 63 K um, and so it, based on the numbers, it seems like an easy, um, an obvious choice, but the pros and cons, there was like an equal amount of pros, but different pros for each. And, um, the 63 K job, it just would definitely look better on a resume. And, um, it would be a little bit of like a more fun clientele, a younger clientele. Um, and would be great for networking purposes. And so it was definitely the 63K job part-time um, would be an investment in my future, whereas the 100K job would be like really fast cash and like I would be so happy to make that much money, but it would be, I'd be working probably pretty hard for that money and coming home late. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was expected to come home late about 9 p.m. four nights a week. Oh so, my gosh. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I chose actually the um, lower paying job, but with the better quality of life. Um, and I still felt that it would propel my career further um, based on where I'd be working, who I'd be working with, um, and the clientele I'd be seeing too. My network will probably quadruple um, just working there. So even though I'm going to be making pretty much as much as I make now, um, it still will be a, a jump. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, even if you're making less with that job, it seems like it's a good investment just because, like you said, it's going to help your future out. Yeah. And uh, so 
to, to maybe clarify the new job as compared to your current job, you'll be working less hours for roughly the same salary. Is that I Yes. So my hourly rate um, with my new job is going to be 4615 so $46 an hour. Um, and I'm um, plan to work 26.25 hours, so three and a half days. I plan on working very hard through this year to try to up that um, and become full-time. That'll probably be the first question I ask is, what are the things I need to do in order to become full-time? And then I'll have actual benchmarks to try to um, conquer through that year. And so hopefully that'll prove to them my, my worth. Cool. I think it's an excellent approach. Um, what sort of plans do you now that you'll have like more free time to yourself? Um, I mean, there's some great video games that are out now. Uh, <laughs> did you plan on just like gaming? Do you plan on uh, what do you plan to do with that time? Oh yeah, big fan of Counter Strike, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what I'm going to do is. Um, stay at the clinic that I work at currently and just work per diem. So I have that op the option and that's $47 an hour. So I'll be able to still, I could probably make a 40 hour work week happen and yet I'll still benefit from the awesome benefits at the job I chose. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my plan. It just does take some cobblestoning of my schedule and, um, you know, it, it means I have to work at multiple places and my stress level will be a little bit higher and I'll have to know multiple um, uh, medical rec recording systems and stuff like that. So it will be a little more stressful, but I think the payoff will be slightly similar to, you know, I, I probably won't make $100,000 a year, mm. but um, it'll be okay. I think you could do it. And you're still <laughs> very young, so you, you could handle yeah. more stress. Well, it's, and it sounds like you're going to be getting close to that. If not hitting it. Yeah, it, it all depends on how badly um, the per diem job needs work. So, you know, if, if they don't need me that week, then I don't get paid that week. Um, but they all know me that I, I'm willing to go all across the state. So most likely I'll be able to pick up work um, like the one day a week that I have and even weekends if I so desire. So it's nice to have that option. Cool. So let's uh, dive into the, the money side of it then. If you're potentially getting maybe close to 100K, uh, what are the expense side of it looking like? Um, well, see, I didn't, I didn't really think about the potential of 100K. I'd rather stick to what I definitely know, which is I know I'm going to make 63K. Okay. Anything additional will just be real sweet and I can put that, I can just invest that. But um, the way I've broken it down is um, I budget. So I use Mint, and I love Mint. Um, and I try to stick to about $250 in gas and $250 in groceries. Those are the ones that really usually get blown out of control. Okay. Um, is that because you're driving across the state for work, too? Yes. So okay, my yeah. current job um, is more hours and less pay and I have to work, I have to drive 50 miles one way. So I drive a hundred miles a day. Oh it's my, oh my gosh. That's <laughs> ridiculous. And I no wonder yeah. you listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was real bummed out when you guys went down to one, one a week, but that's okay. <laughs> 
Um, so we'll have to work on that, Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll clone myself. <laughs> so hey, I podcast twice a week. True, true. <laughs> Boom. I should just start listening to uh, College Info Geek. <laughs> Some of them are pretty. They're pretty good for non-students, I think. That is a glowing <laughs> review of a College Info Geek podcast from its creator. <laughs> Some of them are all right. <laughs> I think maybe. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think, so basically a month, I'd say I spend, according to Mint, I spend about $2,769. And after I max out my 401k, because I've been trying to do that on a $60,000 salary, I've been trying to put in about a third into the 401k. Wow. Um, Then that's pretty much all I have left. So the budget... um, I might even come up short, but I have, I also am trying to max out my Roth IRA. So there's some problem. It sounds great, but the problem is that there's no room for any more savings, like for a house or a wedding or all these things that happen when you're like in your late twenties. So, um, so far so good. I've been able to stay pretty much on track with the Roth IRA and, um, I'm pretty much on track with the 401k, but things are going to change now that I'm switching jobs. Yeah. So will you be able to still max it at the new job? Um, or will there even be one? There is one, and it's okay. fantastic. So the 401k is with Vanguard. That's like oh, a nice. huge, amazing <laughs> gold star. And then um, they also will match me 10%, and I think I'm automatically vested. So... Um, 10% I believe of I, your salary. Yeah. Gonna, that, you, that's monstrous. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That was wow. sort of a big selling point because you can't make 10% in the market necessarily, but I'm going to make 10% from this company. Well, you're going to make 100% on 10%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, they give you a core 5% and then they give you a 5% match. So, um, I'm really excited about that. That was probably definitely in my um, decision-making process. So that core, that means that even if you were to invest none of your salary, you'd still make 5% extra on top of that 63K? Correct. That's a good deal. Wow. So, And then I'm guessing you're obviously going to be maxing out to the 10% as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. If- at the very least, I'm going to get the match um, and uh, the core you, you always get. Um, so I'm going to try to max out the 401k to 18,000 a year. But um, if I'm feeling sort of tight on money, I don't think that that has to be like a a number one priority because I, I would like to still feel like I, I'm not... Um, you know, working just to pay for a retirement plan. That's not a good feeling either. You want to have fun then. Yeah. 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 Vacation, Spain. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Do you go on vacation? Like, Mm. so sorry. Um, beer. So, um, I have, I've been to a lot of countries, so I, I don't even know how I afforded that when I was about 22, 23, but when I was an RN, I, I've taken trips to Turkey and Africa. Um, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, all over the place. So I really want to go to Turkey. Laura and I went on our honeymoon, and that was by far our favorite place. It's just oh, it? such a dramatically different place. It's just really... So where in Turkey did you go? Yeah, I... 
So I also went to Australia and New Zealand while I was an RN too, which is very expensive, but I'd say Turkey was my absolute favorite. It's just so eclectic and um, spicy and I, I like loved the culture there. Um, we went to, I don't know if I want to remember all their names. I know we went to Cappadocia. Mm -hmm. so we um, did as well. With the hot, wait, did you do a hot air balloon ride? Uh-huh. Loved it. <laughs> um, and we went to, um, definitely went to Istanbul. We went to a little city on the Mediterranean, but I don't know if I'm going to remember the name. Chesme? Nope. Um. <laughs> But so anyways, you, you're yeah. traveling the world, you're going to all these awesome places. And what was your salary at this time about? So when I was an RN, my salary was um, base rate 59000 but I worked the night shift for five years. Oh, wow. So okay. I got additional pay that way. So um, I made about six, between sixty two and 63000 So... That's been a little bit of a sore spot because I feel like I have not um, increased my salary rate for the last nine years mm -hmm. uh, or eight years. So it's been that is kind of tough to swallow just because I feel like, you know, I went back to school and I've done the right things. But, um, you know, but it'll happen if, if I were full time, it would be a totally different story. But yeah, so I was making yeah. 63 at 21 years old. So it's kind of nice. That is nice, but on the other side of it, like this new job you're getting is paying you around the same for far fewer hours, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I think the one thing that I think is uh, really awesome is you were, I mean, fine, you're making about the same. I mean, you're working less hours now, but you're able to travel the world, do all this cool stuff. You definitely, I mean, like I'm looking at your beautifully decorated room, so you definitely <laughs> are able to, you know buy nice things, and uh, you were able to build up a net worth of over $140,000. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, that's like <laughs> quite the achievement right there. So what what's the secret? Because you're living on basically the, the average income of a household in the U.S., so it's not yeah. like you're, um, you know, Mrs. Moneybags, right? Yeah. But somehow yeah. you, you made the magic happen. Yeah, I think I've always been a really good saver. Um, a couple of my friends would say I was like, I never noticed that I was being maybe stingy, but they told me that I was kind of stingy. <laughs> I think I've always just had priorities um, and, you know, vacation travel um, and saving. I, I didn't really, I did buy a brand new car in 2011. That was probably a wrong move to make. Um, but I needed a really good car to get through the snow because nurses don't really get a day off when it's, you know, crazy storming out. So um, I think I've just been able to live below my means. And I think that's really the key that even if you're, you know, even if you're not making that much money, as long as your expenses are below what you make, you're always going to have a little bit of a surplus. Um, so... I like to see that number grow and I get some sort of fulfillment from that. Yeah. And that's more than me buying things and feeling great. Cause I got Gucci something or other. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, to me, that's more, I feel more accomplished that way than shopping. I don't know about you guys, but I love my Gucci toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Not letting that go. You got that on Amazon, right? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe and don't save. <laughs> so, 
140k break that down for us is that mainly investments or is that savings checking is there property built up in that or yeah so i should probably disclose that my dad did um save for me some money when he was um like back in 1995 he started a investment for me of a mutual fund um a mid-cap mutual fund and he started that when I was about five. So that was in the hopes that I would use it towards college. But I luckily got enough um, scholarships and, and some aid and stuff that I didn't need to actually use it. So um, I've made it a priority not to break tap that um, that uh, investment of his. So he gave me 25000 And it's in, I don't know if I should mention, but it's in an STC SX fund, which um, unfortunately has a really high expense ratio, but he started that back in 1995, and I swear I don't think he put more than maybe five thousand dollars in it, and it's now oh, twenty five thousand. And oh, he wow. even tapped into it because he needed the money. Um, so it, that goes to show that you know just a steady, you know, he put in some money until about I think two thousand, and it's still just it keeps um, growing and compounding. So. That was nice. So that's part of my 140,000 net worth. But um, what what it breaks down um, further is I did put in 401k money starting in 2008 when I started my career. So that was beneficial. Um, so I have about $50,000 in a, um, a traditional IRA. I rolled it over to Betterment. And then I have about $10,000 in an emergency fund in Betterment. I keep about $6,000 liquid because um, I just need to know that if I needed it, I have it mm. in my savings. So unfortunately, I, I can't part with that little bit. It just uh, gives me peace of mind. Um, I, hey, I think that's totally cool. Yeah. Yeah. I keep um, money in savings too. So. Yeah, it's. It's good to have in case you needed it. And I, I don't know. I think it's just the way, um, you know, maybe I was raised or something. If you put it in the market, you don't really know what's going to happen to it. Though Betterment's emergency fund is pretty stable. Um, I'm not quite sure because I know a lot of it is in bonds. Maybe you can elaborate on that part because um, I'm a little nervous with the, the Fed saying they're going to raise interest rates. But I think they're long-term bonds, and I think that matters. So um, I think they're okay. And then um, I started a Roth IRA in Vanguard. So I've been putting money into um, just the total stock market index. And I have some play money in Netflix and uh, um, Tesla, which has actually Netflix has done surprisingly well. I think it went up um, like 110% of what I put in. Oh. But now it's, you know, come down a little tiny bit. That's okay. Um, Isn't that like... What you're invested in, Andrew? Tesla and Netflix? Uh, so I'm in Tesla, and I remember when uh, Netflix wanted to split off their DVD service, and everyone flipped out. And I was going to buy, um, but my sister and my wife ganged up. Well, my now wife, she was my girlfriend back then, ganged up on me and said it was a bad idea, so I didn't do it. 
I would be kicking yourself now. No, that would have been so uh. good if I did that. <laughs> well, when I was 15, I loved Apple products and I thought it was super cool. And this was before the iPod. Mm-hmm. And I had one of those clamshell, um, different color laptops my dad got oh me. My God, that's oh, so cool. I, yeah, I had a blueberry laptop. And my dad said, you know, hey, you should really, maybe you want to buy a little stock in that. That could be your first stock. And I was about 15. It was before the. I mean, it's before they grew exponentially. So yeah. if I had just did buy a stock in that, I probably could be uh, retired now. So, yep. I, when I was seventeen, we we did a stock game for my economics class, and everyone had like fake money, and I just dumped it all into Apple. Over the semester, they tanked like a little bit, so I lost the stock game. But then, like for the next few years, just like, whew, I know hockey stick. What a one! So man, I should just put all my real money in that. Oh well, fine so it sounds like there's a lot of like <laughs> investing type stuff coming from your dad. Uh, did he inspire you to kind of be fiscally responsible? Like, I, did you teach him? Uh, so he definitely um, has. He created my mindset to save and invest. Um, he is very computer savvy. So he and he worked in the city. So. He would tell me, you know, if you want to invest when I was little, he'd say you could buy a Disney stock, you could buy Apple stock, you could buy whatever you want, and then you can watch it grow. And we never did that, unfortunately. But he definitely would open up that communication with me. Um, And it made me think now, you know, what was he thinking then trying to teach his daughter about investing? Um, And he probably had created a little bit of like a, a padding for himself but he, he definitely didn't come from money. Um, he grew up in Yonkers, New York, and um, he's still, you know, kind of a little bit struggling post-divorce and stuff like that. It's tough. Mm. But he, he definitely created a good foundation for me to save and invest in, you know, the importance of money and that it's not easy to come by. Um, I know when I was first born, my, my parents, their furniture was what they found on the street. So, oh, like, wow. they would... They would see like a table on the street and be a new coffee table, you know, something like that. So he, and they're definitely better off now, but, um, you know, it's, it's humble beginnings. It's, it's like, humble, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Definitely. So, um, it's made me more fiscally aware and, and prudent, to you know, saving and investing and stuff. Awesome. So, uh, only because we were just talking about the 26K, uh, you had uh, baked a question into there where the fee was really high um, and because you're smart and you know what you're doing, you wanted to like cut the fee to nothing. Um, but the problem is you didn't know the cost basis of you know when he purchased it. And I, I think I just have like some – so maybe maybe some like bad news and then um, also some bad news. sounds great so so the the bad news is the first bad news is figure it out (laughs) find out like what you basically you find out when he purchased it or roughly when he purchased it or maybe there is some documentation somewhere you might be able to call like the brokerage company because then the the really actual bad news is if you don't have a cost basis you just pay um taxes on the entirety of the sale so where maybe you, I mean, you gain 20K on 5K, um, you'd be taxed on 25K instead of 20K. 
I guess oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I did call because um, right now Wells Fargo holds the fund, but it originally was a strong fund, and they went under, and they were bought out by Wells Fargo. Mm. So there was a changeover of the broker. Um, but I called Wells Fargo. I said, "Hey, you know, on your website, you don't have a cost basis shown to me." And they said, "That's because we can't calculate it because you have mostly." Um, statements back, you know, it was purchased when it was a strong fund. Um, so we have the statements from 1995. My dad actually started this fund in, in 1993. So I'm missing two years of statements, but um, I think, you know, that I would still be okay if I went from 1995 to the current, which is 2015. There is a little changeover, but basically the, the cost of the share, I don't think was changed despite it being owned by a different company. So I do have to, I mean, I think he put in $50 a month. So I have to look at what the cost was that month, what was the cost the next month. I guess add those up, divide by the number of shares he purchased, and then how many shares and the cost I have now. I don't know how to do that, but um, that's what I've been thinking I need to do. I instead just sent the whole stack of statements to my uncle, who's an accountant, and said, figure this out for me. So hopefully he'll come back and uh, tell me. I'm gonna. I, I'm thinking. I'm gonna own. Yeah, I think I'm gonna owe about. I was told by Personal Capital, who did a rough estimate prior to me signing up, they told me I would owe only a couple hundred dollars. But I don't really know if that's true. Um, I almost went with Personal Capital because I wanted them to figure this stuff out that I can't figure out. But I felt like I would learn and grow a lot more if I just. Did it myself. So, so you're saying uh, personal capital in their like uh, investment advice. Correct. Thing. Mm. I mean, so the stuff they were saying was, I guess, basic and interesting, but not uh, not worth paying. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, for the people listening, it's worth giving like the call a shot, or you think? They, they probably through, you know, a year of listening to us, they're already masters of the universe. <laughs> well, definitely the latter. <laughs> but um, the call... I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> the call is pretty great. They do um, the initial calls to see if you're interested. So take that call. And then when they feel that you're interested, take the second call because then they will... Um, They'll break down what your personal plan would be without telling you exactly the equities that they would purchase. So they're not going to say, we're going to buy 1.2% of Apple, 1% of Citco, mm. or anything like that. What they're going to basically show you is that you need, um, you need to increase your um, alternatives. You need to maybe do, and they'll break it down so precisely, they'll actually tell you you need 3% of gold. You need... 25.6% of um, international equities and you need, you know, 15% of um, now, you know, U.S. equities, things like that. So I, I'm going to take that information and and hopefully devise a, a good, more balanced um, investment plan for myself. If you did pay them, would they do that all that for you? I guess that's the thing, like their value-added... Uh... Yes. Yeah, so if you if you decide to go with them, you have to um, transfer over all of your investments from all the different companies. And I have quite a few because I use Betterman, Fidelity, Vanguard, Wells Fargo. Oh wow! So you have to transfer over all your investments to them and pay them. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this just yeah, almost just, sounds like active management to me. You know, yeah, not yeah. a whole lot different than just getting uh, a broker who does all this. 
you know, or, or buying a managed fund. Right. So I think their fee is based on how much you make or I, I think how much you have invested. Um, for me, I would be charged 0.89% um, to utilize their services. But I didn't want to let go of all... I like having the control of my investments and I didn't want to let go and basically compile all the investments into one place, which they would mostly control. I, I have a say in it, in what they decide to do, but um, they use a company I don't even know the name of. And um, that's how they start to, they, they basically take all your money and then divide it up the way they see fit. Hmm. Yeah. So huh. you, you wrote us this awesome thing and towards the bottom you wrote this piece, Psychology Behind My Money Madness. I would really like to know the psychology behind your money madness. Um, so I think I mentioned my dad. I think I mentioned my parents. And they did have a really big um, effect on me. Right now, they're not doing so well. I think that divorce really kind of ruined them financially. Um, my dad's okay. He, he juggles multiple jobs. Um, I don't know how much he actually invests in his like retirement. Um, I think he's contracted a lot, so I don't think he can. Mm. Um, he does have the house, but I know he's taken um, loans, refinanced something mm. like that, and that was like for the divorce. And so um, I know he's probably not in the best place as like a fifty-four-year-old. Um, and then my mom has absolutely no foresight into these things. So she has no retirement money. Um, for a long time, she had no health insurance, no car insurance, and just wow. lived paycheck to paycheck. Like, Does she um, listen to you? Like, Do you advise her? And she, um, I can't really, because she doesn't make that much money. She's not a college graduate. Mm. Um, but she's awesome. She, does, she likes setting her own schedule, so she's also contracted. Um, but she... Um, doesn't really think about these things and doesn't really care and she'll say you know well you know we can't live forever yeah (laughs) so um you know she's trying to do the best she can in the now instead of you know all these lofty ideas of when she's 70 um so it does make me concerned because i feel like the brunt of that falls on to me um especially with my mom a little so with my dad and my dad has actually told me I need to take out um, life insurance on my mom. I don't know how even one does that. I'm only 28. He's been telling me this since I was like 24. So, you know, like that's a lot to put on a 24-year-old who's just trying to get a grasp on their own life. Yeah. Um, so now I'm starting to think, okay, so she's over 50. She's a smoker. So now I'm kind of thinking I probably should look into this before it's so expensive um, and I know term insurance is kind of the way to go because I listen to so many podcasts, but I don't know um, what this stuff means. So um, term uh, definitely seems like it's the way to go. Uh, we, I mean, we've interviewed a few people. We actually have uh, Francis, uh, one of the co-founders of Policy Genius, scheduled. Uh, he should be on soon, so I will make sure to ask him for for a girl who's 28 years old uh, and her mom, she wants to, you know, buy life insurance for her mom, what would be the best choice? So, so we'll slip that in there. Okay, awesome. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be mostly for, I guess, funeral costs. Um, 
but you know, then it makes me start to think, what about, what if she's in long-term care? What if, but then I, I have some family members that are like, Chloe, don't worry about that. Um, you know, if she has to go on state insurance, she has to go on state and that's the way it is. I wish it wasn't that way. Um, but I, I guess even if she had healthcare expenses, it wouldn't fall on her daughter. Um, it's not the way things work, but, um, it makes me nervous because my parents are not like me. So, yeah, you know, I would be thinking about these things if I were them. Yeah. I, I think about the think same things. I mean, maybe, maybe you do too, Andrew. I don't know. About how my parents will be doing and yeah, I mean, so, I, it's weird because I'm just like, oh, when I was a kid, I never thought about any of this stuff, and now it's like, at least once a week, I think about it, you know. So I think about some of this stuff, but I'm I'm lucky that my dad has like everything under control. Like, mm. um, I I learned from him, so he has he's invested, and they're they'll be good. He he may never stop working because he just likes <laughs> working. Yeah, but, uh, he'll, I think he'll be good. Okay. Um, I had to learn. I mean, I think my parents taught me a good amount, but I also had to learn a lot of my own. So I also have to think about this quite often. I think it's just good to be prepared. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So Chloe, do you have any other questions besides like the insurance question that we covered? Um, yeah, I think other than just overall, I want to know if I was doing okay. Cause I, I can't feel like I can't really trust my parents' advice, so mm. it's nice to hear that at 28, I'm probably set to um, be at a good place for the rest of my life, because I'm trying to not work till I'm 80 years old and eat cat food and stuff like that, so. <laughs> so to put it in Turns out cat food's not good for us. I, yeah, I know, right? Dog it's like food. all meat. I honestly think dog poop would be better for us. <laughs> Cause, like, aren't cats only like carnivores 100% yeah yeah like so like they don't have a whole lot of veggies and stuff in their food I mean we get her we get our, our cat like this like chicken soup type cat food but like yeah. she only eats her McDonald's crunchies so she doesn't <laughs> want fancy food uh, <laughs> ridiculous but so uh, there was kind of had me thinking like um you know if you're doing good or not and uh, there was this thread in the community and people were sharing their net worths and it was like graphs and all this cool stuff and um it, it, i looked i was looking at mine because i haven't looked at it in a while and i was looking at allison's and um allison actually very similar to me built almost all of her wealth in the last like six or so years so i went from like 29 something or twenty six thousand to like almost like 370 and just because it's invested so i think now that you have a solid base um and if it's all invested like i think that's excellent for 28 and like if you could just compel yourself to leave it it like you see the graphs of all the people they're posting up it just gets sharper and sharper towards the end um i mean it sucks it's not like now you kind of just want it to be bigger now and like want to be done yes but uh I, you know i don't think i've seen that thread yet uh, so it's it's in money talk. I think, I think it'd be really cool to see. I, I think it's close to the top. Yeah, like people are nerding out with their. Some are posting their mint graphs. I have my Excel spreadsheet. Blah blah blah. Because I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> You're gonna make everybody jealous out there. They're gonna want to join. <laughs> is it this uh, net worth profile one? <laughs> and is yeah. it is it this net worth profile one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, I'll check it out when we... Oh, yeah, there's all these graphs in here and everything. This is yeah, cool. Yeah, dude, so if you're checking it out, you have to post yours in there. All right. I, I, I mean, mean, I posted yeah. mine, you know. What do you use to I'll generate your graph? So, wait, you didn't post yours yet, Chloe, did you? Mm. <laughs> what do you use to generate your graph, Andrew? So, I used uh, Apple Numbers, but uh, okay. what I did is, like, I basically take uh, the net worth um, report in Mint, and I take its, like, um, assets, debts, like, net, and I copy every monthly line, and I put it into um, a spreadsheet, and then I calculate the month over month growth and then i put in like my goals so i want to achieve blah 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 by this date and i use that to calculate roughly how many months it'll take me and so, okay so i and all my calculations and stuff are, are in my sheet that i posted up so you could cool yeah i wish i was good at excel because i would definitely do that but i don't i can't really figure out how to how to do that when i do the betterment retirement mm. um guide i think it's like a, a cool little um tool that you can log in with betterment uh, personal awesome. capital has one too so those are really good but they still tell me that i'm not going to really retire until i'm 60 or 65 so and i don't know why because i'm maxing out as much as i possibly can um so, well, what are those? What are those retirement calculators taking into account for your expenses in retirement? Yeah, that's, that's the question you got to ask. Yeah, I don't think they are. I I don't plan on living in Connecticut forever because it is so expensive, um, and it's honestly not all that nice. It's it's great, it's great, but it's also the winters are tough and mm -hmm. it's so expensive. And unless you got a million dollars, you're not going to have that nice house on the water and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and by million, I mean like $8 million to have a nice house on the water. <laughs> but um, I think eventually maybe retirement might be more south so that the money would go further. Hey, come down to Iowa. You get the Ooh. same cold winters, but it costs a fraction. Oh, yay. <laughs> See, yeah, I've actually been thinking at some point I might want to go somewhere a little warmer. And when you're bored during the summer, you could detassel corn. Yeah. You could. Oh, man. I've been <laughs> wishing and hoping. I did play that. So, Andrew, my problem with Mint, like, I can I can post my net worth up until, like, a month ago, mm. but I am kind of not using Mint that much anymore because I enabled two-factor auth on Vanguard, mm. and Mint, like, tried to log in so many times that Vanguard locked my account. So I just, oh, like, really? I can't use Mint with Vanguard anymore. It, like, won't work. So Mint's basically useless to me other than for my bank account. Well, I mean, I get, you could probably call um, Vanguard and sort it out. Or I called them up. They just like they don't have a reliable way for Mint to get those oh, those because MSP of two codes factor. yet. Mm. Yeah, because two factor. Like my phone was constantly sending me texts with my two factor auth code, and then I was like, I can't go log it in for Mint. Right, right. So I just had to disconnect it. So yeah, Mint is like accurate. You must have like an idea of at least the sum of your parts right yeah yeah i can look at mint and then i can just like look at my vanguard and get the real number so, so but try, it, like, try I couldn't... to give us like maybe like uh the last four quarters like your estimates you <laughs> okay know? i could probably do that yeah, yeah. yeah all right now i don't think anyone's gonna go and like check your work and be like <laughs> i don't know in third <laughs> quarter of 2010 i think thomas is lying yeah, I hacked into his bank account, and uh, yeah, he's lying on this one for sure. <laughs> I've been 
having trouble and I don't have the two factor authentication. So Vanguard and oh. Mint are kind of butting heads right now because it's, it's not working. Yeah. Um, I do have one question. Mm. So um, I think my big question is once I can figure out that cost basis for that mutual fund, which has a 1.3 expense ratio, mm. um, if, if I want to kind of allocate that money as um, more of like maybe like a short-term goal money, maybe like a wedding or house fund or something like that, I don't really know yet, to be honest. But um, where would you put that? And it's about $26,000. First thing I would say to do, because the expense ratio does look, look high, but there can be some dogma around that, look at the past performance versus like the... Uh, the commonly cited, you know, best practice places to put your money. If it's doing significantly better than the uh, Vanguard, you know, 500 stock index and stuff like that, it might be worth potentially leaving it there. But if it's not, then start looking at these lower funds. Because I have some money in a couple of funds that are higher expense ratios, but it often does better than my mm. than the Vanguard. So, and I've only been investing for a little while now, so it's, I'm kind of like playing them off each other to see which one does better. But yeah, it's, I think it's one thing to think about before looking at new places to put it. <laughs> well, you know, it's actually, it's a mid cap, um, a little bit of small cap, very small, but it's mostly a mid cap fund. And it's the only mid cap that I have. I'm confused about all those caps, but I know I have so much large cap because I love the S&P 500. But Okay, so I'll, the... Large cap is a company like IBM, um, Apple. They just have like a large uh, like oh, market yeah. value. Um, mid caps, you know, somewhere in the middle and small is like fresh companies. And I guess the, the thought is you have small cap for growth, mid cap kind of even. Large cap is like a Coca-Cola, steadfast. It's really not going anywhere. Um, and... So the thing is, like, uh, 1.3% is, like, really, really, really high uh, in yeah. personal capital. If you just go into the 401k fee analyzer, I'm sure you've, you've played with it where you could just put your fee percentage in. And 1% will, over 30 years, eat 25% of your potential gains. So 1.3% is probably above 35. It's that whole, like, exponential fees is, is a scary thing. Yeah. And looking here at the actual performance, like compared to the uh, the index, which I have a lot of mine in, it's doing worse over so one year, three year, five years. So yeah. In terms of what you could put it in, so say you want to be able to withdraw for a wedding coming up or to purchase a home. Um, let's just say you only want the principal. You could put it all into a Roth IRA, and then withdraw the principal at any time. But mm. if you put into a Roth IRA, you could buy and sell within it, and you're not going to pay any taxes on anything within. And uh, so that's pretty awesome. Um, that's only fifty five a year, fifty five hundred dollars a year, um, or, or you know something like Betterment. Or I mean, you're you're pretty experienced, so I would just go then maybe into like one of the Admiral shares in Vanguard you like. Mm. Okay, that's great because. Yeah. Um, I, I like knowing that's like almost like a 
that's my personal backdoor uh, emergency fund is the Roth IRA because I know if, if if things get really bad and I you know I've already removed emergency fund and liquid emergency fund and stuff like that. Um, I know I can still remove the principal off of the Roth IRA, so that does it makes me willing to put even more in the market because I know I could have that principal back, which is great. Mm. Yeah, and the whole thing is like. Um Obviously, you know, if you were to get married, um, once like it is like, you know, proposed, whatever, you're like, I, I, we want to do it like tomorrow, but you have to like plan and the date is also flexible. So not that you're basing your wedding around how the market's doing, but you know, you didn't have to pull it out. <laughs> the market's not good right now. We need to wait a couple of years. I, I feel like that was like the least accessible thing I could have said. <laughs> just base your marriage around how the market's doing. <laughs> if we're in a depression, don't get married. <laughs> All right. Well, this was awesome, you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And I will look forward to seeing uh, your graph. I guess I should put my graph in the community yeah you should a thread or i should figure out how to make a graph and then uh, i'll post it in there i'm looking forward to seeing your graph and hearing the crazy calculations you did to extrapolate how it was uh, in the past <laughs> well i mean i just removed vanguard like recently so i probably can just grab it up until then and then be like by the way i contributed an extra like 2k recently so right right that's probably fine. I think people will be okay with that. I think that'll work. <laughs> cool. Well, I uh, think we've covered it pretty pretty good here. All righty. Uh, well, guys, if you have questions, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email. And you can get those to us there. Uh, the community is coming along mm. quite nicely. We're not as uh, closed down with our beta. We're still in beta. But we're, if you, we're in alpha. We're not even I in guess, beta. <laughs> we're, man, you like said beta early. last time. Are we in the beta of the alpha? We're, we're in the alpha of the alpha. <laughs> we're, next week will be the beta of the alpha. And oh, okay. Mid-September will be the beta of the beta. <laughs> Sometime I, between I now and September, if you're really interested and want potentially to get in, you can send us an email. There, there's still a few slots open. Um, yeah. but we're opening it up uh, much larger about like mid September. Yeah. And trust so, me, if you listen soon. to the show, you'll know. Yes, we will. We'll have lots of fanfare and all that. Uh, if you want to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen, that helps support the show. And you can also support the show with a rating and review on iTunes. This week's review comes from CM Crawley on iTunes. And they say the podcast is great. and The website is even better. So thank you to our friends like Allison and everyone else who are writing articles and yes. Candace. And to Anna for helping to design it. Yes. Because, like this person says, <laughs> what are we doing here? We're just podcasting. Our website is so much better. <laughs> Going to the website can help target in on topics that you're immediately interested in or concerned about. Our generation is super comfortable with the concept of debt. I know I was until recently, but at a certain point, it is more important to have money in the bank versus a high credit score. Mm. Unless the money matters, helps drive that concept home and keeps you motivated to work on obtaining help. So, yeah. Though, I don't know, man. My credit score. That's more important than anything, right? <laughs> High score. Got to get that. What is it? 890? 890-something? Yours is 890? No, I was like oh. the top. It's like the, the max, right? I'll, yeah, it's, it's something like that, yeah. Got to get it there. <laughs> I, I'm going to go uh, take a loan on a yacht or something. 
All right, guys. Our uh, favorite money resources, apps, books, all that stuff is over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's all we got. So thanks again for hanging out with us. And I look forward to the next pumpkin beer filled episode. Mm. See you guys too. See you guys. Later, man. Bye. (laughs) Please tell your friends about this show.